0: Hi, my name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to On Brand With. Through this podcast, I want to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences of me and my guests. Over the coming episodes, I will talk to a range of people I know and admire and ask them about the different ways they use their personal brand, the positive benefits it can bring and what best practice looks like in the real world. So welcome to this week's episode of On Brand With and I'm absolutely delighted to have with me Neil Wilson. Now Neil is managing partner of Chadwick Lawrence who are a Yorkshire or the Yorkshire law firm as their brand uh, markets. And I've known Neil on and off for a a few years, part of a Huddersfield network Mm -hmm. and and a Yorkshire network. We both share that love of Huddersfield town that I've mentioned a few times on this podcast for our sins. And my legal background as well and the work I've done within the legal profession, we've always had that contact. And I've actually done some work with uh, Chadwick Lawrence as well, with some of the lovely team there as well. So welcome on board, Neil. Thank
1: you. Thank you for asking me as well
0: well I asked you because I wanted somebody who led a law firm but really what I love about Chadwick Lawrence and I've been privileged enough to see some of the work you've done behind the scenes but you have your Chadwick Lawrence way Mm. and I once or that there's lots of research out there that says to get happy clients you need to start with happy staff yeah and starting with, if you've got happy staff, then you attract the right talent uh-huh. and you keep the right talent, you retain the right talent. And if they're happy, they prefer provide a better service and then you provide, you know, you end up with happy clients. Yeah. And for me, I see that in action in Chadwick Lawrence. Is that fair?
1: Well, it's kind of you to say, and you've obviously you've seen um, firsthand um, how we operate and how our people operate. Um, Yeah, and it goes back five, six years really to us making a concerted effort and decision to change the culture within the business. And part of that was about uh, ensuring that we not just attract but retain the right people. And based in West Yorkshire, that can be a challenge because there are some very big law firms who can attract that talent away. So we wanted to create an environment whereby people would want to stay because they enjoyed being part of what we do. Um, so we set out our vision and our core values. And ironically, we are in the process of revisiting those core values now. Um, we've been running them for about five years and, and it's time to just refresh them. And, and the, there's a view that they, they might be a little bit too safe.
0: Okay. Um, Is that a conscious decision then that you've stepped back and thought?
1: Yeah, just- time to have a, a, another look at them. Um, but to begin with, it was about improving the culture, about creating an environment where people want to stay and contribute. And then we sort of moved on to ensuring that we've created um, an environment of trust. And by that, what I mean is that people feel as though they are trusted to do a particular job and supported to do it. So very often, I come across organisations where we we, we use the terminology empowerment, mm-hmm. but actually people are empowered and, le- and left high and dry. Yes, yes. So if somebody steps up and says, look, I'd really like to take responsibility for this and is potentially promoted into a role, quite often we forget that it's a new job. So the person that was brilliant at what they did before is not going to be naturally brilliant. what they're going to do now because there's a learning curve
0: and quite often when you're applying for jobs there's always these statistics aren't there that people don't apply for jobs because they think they can only do 80 percent of what's on the job role well if they could do 100 percent they'd be looking for the next level up so I suppose it's managing that for your staff it is and
1: giving and then giving them the tools so that that person that steps up is Aware of the fact that they're going to get the right training, they're going to get the right support, and actually they're going to get encouragement. and And it's not it's not a problem if you fail. You know, you don't always get everything right the first time. But when they make a success of it, there's somebody else in the queue who will who will see that and say, "Well, you know, actually, I could give that a go, or I'd like to try that." And I think the the the, the Chadwick Lawrence way and the values that we put in place have been. Uh, an enabler for that, for that sort of trust-based environment, that I can stick my head above the parapet, I can give it a go. They will invest in supporting me in terms of additional training, and, and you've seen it yourself because you you help develop our people, and that mm-hmm. has been part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are routinely looking around for you know the next person that that will come along that will benefit uh, from that, and it's almost you know the, the sort of moss gathering on the stone it just it just takes itself forward it propels itself and and it's been good for us it's been good for profile um but but mainly it's just about being belonging to that environment and that environment where when I speak to my colleagues at our various events Christmas and the like I will mm. honestly say to them I know you've got my back mm. and that means a lot to know that people will just get on and do the job. They'll come to you for help because they know they can ask for help if they need it. But they're better at what they do than I am. So let them get on with it. Let them, let them flourish and, yeah. and just be there on the odd occasion to, to pick up the pieces and it tends to work.
0: Well, that's a, a really good lead then to the question of are you where you thought you would be You know, when you were leaving school? Because... Was, was it always a lifelong ambition to be a lawyer? Did you set off as a lawyer? I don't know. And was it a lifelong ambition to run your own law firm?
1: Um 100% no. Um, that was I, very definite yeah. then. <laughs> so, I, so I started... So my two things where I earned a little bit of money when I left school was painting and decorating and playing the drums. So probably couldn't be further away from, uh, from being a lawyer. Um, I went to do a university degree uh, and lived in Germany as part of that okay um it was a European business degree um didn't want to do it wanted to just get a job and and earn a living um but I went over there I learned to speak the language fluently and then packed the course in and said to my mum and dad I want the job I want to earn some money
0: do you still speak german
1: um a little bit yeah i'm going over there in a couple of weeks time for the dortmund schalke derby yes. fingers crossed
0: fingers
1: crossed um so um yeah booked the flights and the hotel but not quite got the tickets yet so working on that um you might have some connections actually and <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah. so i um so I, I uh i finished the course no, I, 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 I ditched the course i didn't finish it Uh, And I took a job in the civil service. It was the first job that came along. Um, And I think to some extent, some of the things that I learned early doors within that career stood me in reasonable stead for what I've just talked about in terms of the values. Mm. Um, Because I had a a boss, a supervisor, who was not afraid to put me forward at a very young age to to take on new things and to be promoted and uh, and develop. Uh, And that happened fairly quickly. And I ended up doing a job in which, which, which involved what they call regional adjudication, okay. which was all about legislation and, and how to apply that. So I got interested in the law from that. Um, studying, so how
0: old would you have been then?
1: I would have been 22. Okay. Um, started to study, um, well, I went there at 19 and then took that role on at 21, 22. Um, and so I started to study law as a hobby. I just quite enjoyed it, um, bizarrely. Um, but in within a couple of years looked at it and thought I actually quite like this I quite enjoy it I looked at the career path mm. um, so I pursued a part-time law degree a part-time post-grad um, and then made the leap to uh, become a trainee solicitor at Chadwick Lawrence
0: wow Yeah. now that's something so, I hadn't realised yeah. you'd been with Chadwick yeah. Lawrence yeah. right from the, I knew mean, you'd been yeah. there a long time or yeah. here a long time I didn't yeah. know you'd been there right from the start
1: yeah um, and, and, and and so To answer your question, in terms of did I expect to run my own law firm? No. Um, Did I expect to be a managing partner in a law firm with a group of other partners? No. When I qualified, um, I did see the scope for me to progress and develop, and I really enjoyed what I did. And the huge amount of transferable skill came from the previous role, which you probably wouldn't have expected Mm -hmm. with it being a a sort of government role. Um, but it did uh, and, and just pushed on from there really um, started to focus on employment law um, with the help of others built what is now quite a successful employment team that I don't really have much to do with anymore, they look after themselves um, which
0: is again that empowerment piece yeah, that you yeah, can step yeah, back and develop great yeah, people
1: too. Yeah. they don't let me touch things now because predominantly I make a mess of them So it's the proverbial throw a grenade in them. And and run there. off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, equally as well, what happened with that, which was which was really quite um, um, important for me, was developing the sports law specialism. Mm-hmm. So through employment law, we got introduced to one or two sports clubs, um, and developed quite a, a niche now um, around supporting su- sporting professionals and sporting clubs. Yes. Sports always been quite a big part of my life, mm-hmm. and so to be able to do uh, my professional role as a lawyer in a sporting environment has been really pretty rewarding Ticks as boxes, well. doesn't it? Tick I mean, boxes I mean... and, you know, the guys who I work with and the girls who I work with, you know plenty of them and they love their sport. And to be able to get them involved in um advising their boyhood club for example uh, or to get some of them to go to meet some of the superstars that we're actually connected to and friends Mm with Uh, just add something to what they do as a as as a as a discipline as well
0: and you talk about the business values but on on a number of the other podcasts we've talked about those personal values Mm -hmm. as well and that uh, love of sport and that's not a value but it's very much part of my personal brand i always my dad when i was a very young had always said to me you've got to be able to do three things deborah you've got to be able to shake hands have a sense of humor and talk sport mm. now i would question whether everybody would talk sport but for me it got me well it found me my husband we yeah, ended up yeah. bonding over a talk of cricket it got me my dream role as media manager at Lancashire Cricket Club at Old Trafford and it cemented a lot of business relationships Mm. in you know for my own business so for me that personality finding that common ground with people but being able to bring that into your working life Mm. must be you know fabulous for you and for the members of the team
1: yeah yeah without a doubt and we um you know we enjoy what we do there it's there are some really nice benefits that go with it i mean it's some of the work's tough it's challenging work you're dealing with winners all of the time the individuals that you work with and no nonsense people so you've you've got to know your stuff and you've got to be prepared to stand your ground
0: how does that manifest itself then i'm quite interested in that
1: at the early part of the relationship Mm. um you have to in some way take control
0: okay you have
1: to win their respect
0: trust again i suppose yeah respect
1: trust and be prepared. What you must not be is a yes man or a yes person. You must you must stand your ground. Mm. Cause that typically speaking, the winners are looking for that. they look yes. and the minute they see that and they can trust you, then the relationship thrives. Mm. Um what you can't do is be starry eyed. Yeah. You know, and that's not easy to do, particularly if you're dealing with Scenarios where you might be a fan of the mm-hmm. organisation, yeah. you know, you can very quickly get carried away with yourself. Um, but then, e- equally, once you have won those people over and you've won their trust, you will you'll maintain that relationship for many, many years because they don't build relationships like that easily.
0: And and that will help when it comes to they become advocates of yours, don't they? Because you very mm. much become part of that circle of trust.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and so. For us, the business network that's attached to some of our key sporting providers um, is of real paramount importance. When somebody with fairly significant kudos will stand in a room and say, we use these guys and we use them because they do a particularly good job and we trust them, it it means a hell of a lot. And we we routinely win work from from those networks. So we get the profile, but we get the recommendations and we get the enjoyment as well. So what's not to like?
0: Absolutely. So as a sports fan, and I know you're a runner, are you competitive?
1: Yes. My nephews are five and eight year old, Ted and Henry, and they're never allowed to win anything. Which I get told off for. Um,
0: Tiddlywinks. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, not allowed to win anything.
0: Competitive Uncle Neil. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, yeah, a bit too competitive on occasion, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. yeah.
0: And does that does that do you bring that side to the office?
1: Um, to a point. Mm. To a point. I think the behaviours have to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like a lot of things that that I do within the office and within the workplace to what might be, say, for example, a game of football or whatever. You know, the the team spirit, the team environment, the particular roles that you might have, the fact that you've got to look after each other, cover each other. Um, I'm I'm constantly looking at that type of analogy. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've got to behave a little bit differently. You've got to temper your... Um, your approach yeah absolutely yeah Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no I have to temper mine at times but I love that analogy and for me as much as the great pleasure sport has given me over the years um, that analogy I use football but also cricket a lot as an analogy for sport because it's very much a team sport but you're all individuals working away and you can have your (laughs) star batsmen you can have your star bowlers but without a good fielding performance, mm. then you're never going to win a match. Yeah. And I just feel that cricket is uh, business is very much like that, that you mm. will always have the stars of the show, but it needs everybody to buy in and be part of that team.
1: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And we, obviously, through what we do, we, we quite often get exposed to um, what might be motivational-type presentations mm. and, and things from football, from rugby, from cricket. Um, and you do see... The crossover, um, it, it it does motivate you as well. It it you know it, it sort of fires you up to to do better. Um, one of the um, one of the sayings we have a um, uh, an ambassador it was Kevin Sinfield from mm-hmm. from Leeds Rhinos, and one of his sayings is, is is what you do when people aren't watching that really counts. And I sort of take that into my not every day into my day to day life, but there are always occasions where you could just sit there and really just twiddle your thumbs.
0: That yeah, for me you know, that's the definition of integrity. Yeah.
1: That's... You know, and you've got to be honest to yourself and yeah. you know, and similarly if you take it outside of the work environment and I and I go you know, I use the gym a lot and go to the gym, it's dead easy to just think, Oh, I've had enough, I'm going for a steam. Mm-hmm. But actually because nobody's watching and that resonates with me, well actually just, you know, do what you came here to do and then and then go for your, uh, for your steam or whatever. So um, you always pick snippets like that, that that you'll hold and use just as your own sort of motivators, really. Because you all need that.
0: Yeah, and it it's hard work, isn't it? And life, business, throws you a curveball every now and again. So having those hooks, whatever you want to call it, those motivators that put you in a position that you are... I always say it's the difference between doing it and being it. So Mm -hmm. when I'm working with people on a, you know, and I'll have shared this with some of your team, you can start by changing behaviours, changing habits to um, reach potential, to fulfil your potential. But actually, it's about small nudges that you do over time. So eventually, you're no longer doing it, you're just being it. It becomes a natural part of who you are.
1: Yeah, habit forming. Yeah. And and I think you know the, the discipline to stick to that agenda that will eventually become a habit is not something that, that everybody has. Yeah. Um but you will naturally look back and say to yourself, Well, this is no longer difficult because I just do it. It's it's the norm for me. And I think that when you look at how people behave in the workplace mm-hmm. um they develop a series of habits mm-hmm. and hopefully those are good ones but those are positive ones and the discipline for example for people from Chadwick Lawrence who've worked with you mm-hmm. to do what you've recommended or you've mm-hmm. both discussed and agreed is a discipline Absolutely. and it doesn't happen overnight and no. you've, you've got to practice you've got to you, you've got to make it a habit
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that you do the right things on time to the right standard
0: when no one's looking. When
1: nobody's watching, you know, mm. the, the key thing. Um, so, it's so it's so easy to, to, um, to stray from that. But, but the rewards, once you get into that habit, of being able to hold your head up and be true to yourself and say, I did that to the best of my ability. It might not be a particularly pleasant thing that you've got to do. Mm. And let's face it, we all come across things that we've got to deal with that are not pleasant. But to lose your rag with it and to rant and rave is something that you probably should be disappointed about. To hold your nerve and to deal with things in the right way, um, in a professional way, and when it when it comes down to people, to to just simply as the old adage says, treat treat them as you would expect to be treated yourself. Then you can't go far wrong.
0: takes me back a little bit to talking about professional sportsmen as well mm. and my experiences actually they wanted to, they want to be treated as mm. human beings yeah, yeah. a lot of yeah. the time and I know when I've worked with people who've been you know very public profile people that they lose that connection with mm. people sometimes mm. and actually they're just human beings and I think sometimes it's very difficult when they slip up in the public eye people forget that they're not a robot they are human beings Mm. with you know their insecurities and they do things wrong and I know in the past you've done some work with the the more junior part of Huddersfield Town and their academy players and I've done something similar And, and for me when I've looked at personal branding with them i know you've been in and advised them as well i think social media and smartphones have made it very very tricky for sports people anybody in the pub Mm. well anybody but anybody particularly in the public eye because they can so easily be caught in and i'm not talking about anything drastic but caught in a compromising position yeah,
1: yeah Yeah, I mean, the, the 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 work I've done with the football club and, and various other clubs, including the Rhinos, we've done Huddersfield Town, we've done the Rhinos and various other sports clubs, mm-hmm. um, probably goes back at least 10 years. And, and social media and Twitter and, and the like was really just starting to emerge. Mm-hmm. So the focus of it to begin with was about, we called it your personal code of conduct. Yes. And we were taking examples in to the, particularly the apprentices mm-hmm. to say, this is the sort of thing you shouldn't be doing and this is the sort of thing that could ruin your career. Mm. Um, and what's tended to happen over the last few years is much more of that focus has been around and actually the news will get out there instantaneously because of social media. Mm. So the message to, um, to the guys is, you, know, you can't go anywhere nowadays without being filmed. We're being filmed now using yes. your telephone. Mm. You go to the wrong place You're in the wrong environment you get involved in some sort of fight or whatever i guarantee you somebody will film it or take a picture of it you can't escape it and put it out there before you can do anything about it but how much have you got to lose because Mm. look at this illustrious career that you could have so we challenge them to look for um either a particular role model or even create a role model that might Mm -hmm. be made up of certain you know key individuals that they look up to within their sport or sports And ask that question, what will your your mum or dad be saying about you in the pub? Will they be not wanting to go to the pub because you've been arrested on an allegation of rape? Mm -hmm. Or will they want to be going to the pub because you're captain your country, for example? And think about the ripple effect of what you do on your network.
0: That's incredibly emotive, isn't it? Mm
1: -hmm. So I have one example of a, a player who at one time in his career was arrested Mm -hmm. and his biggest embarrassment was the fact that um, his grandma went to church the next morning and found out from her friends that he'd been arrested and Mm he I mean he's a great fella but ultimately that was a real wake up call uh, Mm -hmm. for him Um, and and various other scenarios and examples of of how the behaviour of the individual has um, impacted on you know little girl or boy skipping to school the next day and um, parents partners wives yeah. girlfriends so it's been a it, it, it's a it's a great subject to speak on because it changes every year and you can guarantee every year when you we put the rogues gallery up and it changes literally yeah. every year of the type of high-profile people who've, who've fallen off the perch um, and, and the ramifications of that and hopefully just get one or two of them to think twice and focus on that phenomenal career and, and not 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 fall off that path.
0: Yeah, and for me, it, it's that those are quite dramatic examples mm. that they have to consider. But I used to talk to them about, and I talk to lawyers about this. It's not about you know technically. If you go to a lawyer, there is an assumption that that lawyer is good at what they do Mm. that the you know there's enough compliance around law and there's an expectation that you will get something and it's the same on or off the field so that they are um, whether whatever sport they're playing they are there because they are professional and they are good at what they do yeah but when it comes to the dream contracts the um when it comes to getting that dream contract when it's two of them against each other and one of them's bothered to represent the club at breakfast clubs or in the media positively or has the lifestyle that Mm. fits the club's values whatever Mm. their sport then they're far more likely to get the lucrative contract because Mm. they can be wheeled out in front of sponsors that people want to be associated with their personal brand associating their business brand with Mm. them Mm. so the opportunities that are available by just doing that little bit more and you only have to look at um, Um, football cricket those that have been aware and managed their own personal brand from a very young age have gone on to have very successful careers once their on field Mm -hmm. has finished and same with lawyers you know
1: yeah i mean i mean the same principles apply and i mean i i don't know where personal brand um and i know you're a great stalwart of it but where it sort of materialized from as compared to for example maybe what you might say is reputation yeah. but, but, but ultimately um, within this profession with any within any profession if you are able to ensure that you have those habits you set those standards which are high standards mm-hmm. they're not always easy to live up to but nevertheless you've got to do it you've, you've got to you know, liking it back to sport, you've got that final 400 metres to go, you've just got to hunker down and go yeah. for it. Well, it's, it's the same relentlessly delivering high-quality work to a high standard mm-hmm. in a pressured environment, week in, week out, and maintaining the other standards mm-hmm. that go with it. But if you do it, then um, you do get recognised, you, you do get the accolades, and you build that reputation and that reputation yes is that is that personal brand that you should be proud of uh, and and hopefully within an organisation such as Chadwick Lawrence you encourage other people to aspire to because really we all want to be at that level
0: yeah yeah and, and for me, it is about your reputation, but it's people's experience of you so I would say you've got that internal audience mm-hmm. as well as the external yeah, audience yeah. so you I think what what my experience of Chadwick Lawrence is that what we started talking about is you've got some quite young partners you, yeah. you give people res- the opportunities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. responsibilities very early on, but for me, what, whatever the business. It's about having that confidence to put yourself forward. Yeah. But it's naive to think that somebody else will be looking after your career for you. Mm. And I think a number of young people today forget that they have to put some work in Mm. outside the technical side Mm.
1: Mm.
0: so they need to start to build a reputation for Mm. something and they need to put their ambitions on the table and have a game plan so that they know what they're working to internally And then it's about building yourself as a visible expert. So you will have people within your team that are known throughout Yorkshire, throughout Mm. the country for their expertise. So that also attracts Mm. people in as well.
1: Yeah. And we encourage that. We encourage that at at any level within the business. Um, And there are so many of our, particularly our younger uh, people here at Chadwick Lawrence that know that that platform's available and, and that they can buy into it, and, and we will do our best. I'll do my best to, to, to demonstrate a way of of, of going about our business that I think's right. Mm. Um, but it's constantly changing, isn't it? You know, we we were talking before we switched the microphones on about social media and about um, how challenging it can be um, to be put out there, and we've people who will put things on those platforms that might have been appropriate for them to put on two or three years ago but now they're in this very professional environment perhaps they need to rethink that they need to give some thought to the message that they are portraying publicly that they might have naively um you know posted in 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 previous years i'm not saying anything that's necessarily um discriminatory or offensive it might just display a behavior trait that all of a sudden is not appropriate for what they do and i don't think we're going to see the end to this scrutiny anytime soon so to an extent i think i think it's harder for people because they are so much more under the spotlight and we were saying we don't really fully understand it because yeah. we've probably come in midway if you've been brought up with it yes um yeah. so there's there's there are challenges there um and i think what we will try and do all we can try and do is is keep people on that right path and give them the opportunities and just keep a watching brief and and be prepared to have that difficult conversation on on occasion as well because it's far too easy to just let things ride until a bigger problem occurs that you might well have been able to nip in the bud if you could have that quiet word and if you've got that trusting environment that I spoke about previously Mm. then people will listen to you they won't think you're telling them off they'll think actually that's guidance that's not a complaint that's not a criticism I'll I'll take that that's guidance hopefully
0: and I think your style of leadership is very much, from my experience and watching from afar, I see you very much as a leader that guides people. You always seem quite laid back.
1: I, I try to. I mean, it's it's a difficult one because you, you've got so many people that, is, that are ambitious, that are keen to take more responsibility, and you want to give that. And one of the challenges... Um, certainly in the early days of, of my tenure as managing partner was knowing what I could let go and, and, mm. and what, um, what I maybe needed to keep a, a hold on. Did
0: you um, find that hard?
1: Not, not hard, just mm. um, it was uncertain really. Okay. Um, but I, I, I sort of read relatively quickly concluded it's a complex business we've got a lot of different legal disciplines we've got other specialisms within the business that are not just legal such as IT HR or or various other types of things and these people are trained to do what they do and actually they're better at it than you are Mm -hmm. so you need to trust them you need to be there and be available for them and then it's 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 that sort of lonely aspect of not necessarily knowing everything that's going on because all of a sudden now somebody else is responsible for it and it's it's having that um nerve really when i get that call from somebody to say i'm just putting this on your radar i've done this 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 and this and i sit there and think i wouldn't have done it that way Mm. but i have to stop myself is it necessarily wrong just because i would have done it in a different way even if the outcome's different it doesn't mean to say that it's wrong mm. so the challenge I think comes in that initial period of letting go but then once you do it and you and that person flourishes as a result of it your involvement becomes less and less and you still have that connection that they they seem to intuitively know when you they want to make you aware of something but actually very rarely are they picking the phone up and saying I want to know what to do about this it's more... I've done this, or I'm about to do this, thought I better just sense check it. Um, so it's 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 just letting go that, that some people probably do it too slowly. Did I do it too slowly or too quickly? I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I'm hugely proud of the fact that people within this business do get on with it now. And I'm fairly confident that they appreciate that i'll support the decisions that they've made and if they're not right if they've created a problem we'll have we'll have a conversation about it but from a perspective of could we have done it differently um but that's very rare that's very rare because nine times out of ten people just 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 power on and do it
0: and i think that comes back to where we started which is trust Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now we're nearly at the end of the conversation but there's something that you've mentioned that I. Can't let go. Tell me about your drums.
1: <laughs> my drums. <laughs> so, well, this goes back to um, when I was little, my mum um, my mum has a dance school, has had a dance school for years, and uh, they used to do various shows. And um, for their main shows, they, they always used to have a pianist, but for their main shows, they always used to bring a drummer. And I was only about eight years old, and, and I always used to look forward to this drummer coming because I could play his drums and just... Beat the hell out of me, basically. Didn't know what I was doing. Um, and on one occasion, he said to me, just do that again. And I, I don't know what I'd done. Mm. And he said to my mum, you really ought to get him some lessons. So she said, well, I know the obvious candidate. Um, so Ray, it was called. Uh, he used to come to the house every week and teach me to play the drums. Um, and he told me from the outset that there was one particular track. Once you can play this track without without any failure, any problem... Mm. Um, then I can't do anything more for you. And that track was the theme tune to Hawaii Five O. Right. Whichever listened to it, it's I'm going fast. to
0: be tuning in. It's fast <laughs> and it's quite
1: challenging. And we got to this particular day, and he, um, he, um, he said, "Look, that's it. I can't, I can't do any more for you." And I would probably then, at that age, been about ten years old. All oh, right. So, um, so not not really that old. And yeah. I played at various shows. Um, for the dance school for other things and then um, uh, as I got into probably a year or two older than that in various bands be mainly sort of through school rock bands and that type of thing I remember uh, being asked to go play the drums for a, 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 a band and it was a group of lads who were a lot bigger than me a lot older than me um, and the first track that wanted wanted to play was the, um, Peaches, Stranglers. Yes, yeah. Um, which I absolutely loved. Didn't really know what it was about. but um, And so, yeah, and, and that's been another kind of part of my life that's, that's sort of introduced me to music initially through the dance school. My wife's a dance teacher at that school. Okay. Um, I have a, a huge eclectic mix of, of, of music. I listened to your podcasts on Spotify yesterday. Um, and I've got Spotify on all the time and mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Um, but I went quite on the drums and then uh, for a bigish birthday not so long ago, my wife Karen bought me a session, a, a lesson in a studio with a, with a drummer. And wow. uh, I went to see him and he said, I've heard a lot about you. And I said, look, I haven't picked the, these sticks up for years and years and years. And we had a great old time. Um, And from there I went and bought an electronic kit, and I've got an electronic kit. Okay, so it's
0: back part of your life again. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I absolutely love it. So if there
0: was one, if you could play one tune, what would it be? What's your go-to, go-to song?
1: Um, There are so many of them, but one of the first ones that I, I think I bought a single of was Queen and it was mm. Don't Stop Me Now. Mm. I'm not saying it's my favourite song at all. No. But um, I do occasionally play along to that and I lose myself in it. But then I get to lose myself in most of the stuff that I play along to. But I, I can't really say I've got a, a go-to one because I just, I've just i got such a, a mix of different sort of music styles that that I like. Um, but yeah, something with a bit of pace to it. Um, could I go back and play the theme from a Y5O now I don't think I could I'd have to just practice a little bit more
0: I think that's a fair place to stop Neil thank you so much for sharing so much today really enjoyed it
1: likewise thank you I've enjoyed it too
0: I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation I'd love you to join in the conversation as well and the best way to do that is through social media. I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at do_impact. and if you'd like to sign up to my newsletter or know more about my work please go to my website at deborahogden.com Tune in for further episodes and please subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends if you've enjoyed this podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to On Brand With. It was hosted by Deborah Ogden and produced by me, Anthony Short. This has been an a Short Stories production.